This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen along with you. Well, with all the controversy swirling around childhood vaccinations and the recent outbreaks of measles and whooping cough throughout the United States, questions still remain as to the necessity and efficacy of these life-saving shots. We'll hear with more on all of this is Dr. Yana Shaw. She's Associate Professor of Pediatrics specializing in infectious diseases at Upstate Medical University. Welcome, Dr. Shaw. Thanks so much for coming in. Hello, Linda. Good to be here. So let's begin with some tough questions. I'm going to give you some tough questions about these vaccinations because this is a lot on a lot of people's minds. Why do we give them? What are they and why do we give them? Well, vaccines, I like to think of vaccines as education for child's immune system, right? Every day we send children to school so they can learn and they are prepared once they come out for life. Vaccines do just the same, and they do it in a safe and controlled environment. They educate your immune system when the child sees the wild infection. So what they do, they essentially train the immune cells that are then prepared to fight the infections in the in, in, in wild. So is natural immunity, which, which can occur if you become exposed to a disease, better than a vaccination? Well, not necessarily. We know that in even natural immunity, after some infections, such as pertussis, for example, wanes over time and children can get reinfected. Uh, the danger of that concept of thinking that natural immunity is better than vaccination is that you don't know which child will have just a mild case of measles or pertussis and which child will have actually serious complications from that infections um, or die. If we could predict which children will die from wild infections, we could maybe focus just on those and vaccinate them. The problem is we don't. So when you use the term wild infections, you mean naturally occurring infections, what's out there in the real world. Correct. I mean, I I read somewhere, for example, that a a natural polio infection could lead to permanent paralysis. One would never argue that you'd rather have someone contract polio than take the polio vaccine. Absolutely. You know, polio alone is actually an excellent example. Most of the polio infections are asymptomatic, which means you don't even know you're infected. Very small proportion of children, however, will develop this very serious uh, complication, which is paralysis. And you may, uh, you know, especially older listeners may remember the pictures of iron lungs and children paralyzed um, due to polio. Measles does the same. It can cause brain damage. It can cause serious meningitis or pneumonia. So vaccines in a sense, in many cases, are preferable to allowing you just to be, to be exposed to these natural uh, infections. Vaccines are the safer choice for your child. It offers your child to develop protection without the risk of serious complications. So now the difficult question that you answer all the time very clearly is, do vaccines cause autism? Vaccines do not cause autism. We have looked, we have studied, and we have demonstrated that vaccines are safe and they do not cause autism. And in fact, the research that was purportedly um, propped up as the source of that fact has been debunked as being as basically been a lie. Correct. So in nineteen in the late nineteen nineties, Andrew Wakefield published an article in Lancet where he insinuated that measles vaccine causes autism. Since then, that research has been debunked. It has not been his findings have not been supported by uh, research by other scientists. Um, 
However, we still struggle with the consequences of, of, of this those findings. It's still a public, uh, kind of a public health battle in a sense. Um, are the vaccine side effects dangerous? So vaccines are extremely safe. There are some dangerous side effects that one can experience from vaccines. And one of them, for example, is anaphylaxis. Some children, and we again don't know which one they might be, may develop severe allergic reaction to the vaccine. Um, so that occurs, but that happens in less than one, 200,000 children. So it's very, very uncommon. Other common side effects um, um, that we do see after vaccination include redness, pain, uh, swelling at the site of injection, and fever. Maybe a low-grade fever. And low-grade fever. But that, that, that anaphylaxis is a very rare occurrence. That's very rare. Um, and again, if it happens, that typically happens at the, at the physician's office, and um, uh, that can be um, treated with medications that are routinely available at providers' offices. So why are vaccines given so early? Vaccines are given early because we want to protect children when they are most vulnerable, at a time when they don't have opportunity to develop immunity, protection, and where the immune system may not be strong enough to fight the natural infections. Um, we also know that vaccines given at that age are effective, meaning that the baby's child's immune system can develop re uh, protection and um, lasting protection. So it doesn't make sense to postpone vaccinations then? I, I strongly discourage postponement because uh, you are not only uh, delaying the baby's opportunity uh, to be protected at vulnerable age, but there is a coming, um, or there is, there is a recent data suggesting that if you delay, your child may experience a greater side effects from vaccination. So in general, are skipping vaccines or picking and choosing vaccines a good idea? Picking and choosing is, for vaccines, is not a good idea. Um, uh, first, if you pick and choose, you're picking and choosing out of a schedule that has not been tested. Um, we have an immunization schedule that has been extensively tested in trials, and we know that schedule is safe and it works. Uh, if you choose to delay or combine vaccines that uh, may have not been tested together, you're um, rendering potentially your child either vulnerable to those infections or potentially to greater side effects. And what happens if you choose not to vaccinate? Choosing not to vaccinate is a dangerous choice. Um, you're leaving Not your only for the child themselves, but it, there's a larger issue here, isn't yes, there? Yes, there is a larger issue, and the larger issue is community and social justice. But the idea is that if a number of people or many people do not vaccinate their children, then the, with this, this concept, what they call herd immunity, which is basically the larger community being protected, allows for the basically outbreak of a lot of these diseases. Exactly. And that's what we have seen on uh, numerous times in the history, most recently in the measles outbreak. That outbreak has been studied by somebody who was not vaccinated. Uh, we don't know where the person contracted the infection. Um, however, it was propagated by people who where majority of those people chose not to vaccinate. Um, so the, the choice not to vaccinate is a choice not only for your child, but it's a choice you make for the community that you then leave vulnerable um, to these potentially serious and deadly uh, infections. So if you have concerns about this whole vaccination schedule or the ages, 
what do you recommend? I mean, where do you where do you go? What's the best source of information for a parent? Um, I would encourage parents to talk to your provider. Um, ask about what vaccines your child needs, what concerns you have. Um, if you need additional um, information, I would refer you to CDC or Department of Health websites. Uh, they have ample amount of correct um, and tested information, um, often with schedules and, um, and um, questions and answers that are easily available on those, on those sites. But how does someone know what vaccinations their, chi- their child actually needs? I mean, obviously they would speak to their pediatrician or their provider, but... Um, is there, I mean, basically, this is changing on an annual basis, the, the, the schedule of vaccinations? So, so every January, um, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices um, issues a new immunization schedule or calendar. So, yes, that's updated as new information arises. Um, schools then, um, or Department of Health makes recommendations to schools um, who then um, adopt um, um, their recommendations. And their requirements. In terms and their of- requirements, that's correct. So in New York State specifically, all children who want to um, attend schools, private or public, have to be properly vaccinated. Uh, we have recently uh, had changes to the school immunization entry requirement. Uh, last year, uh, the school nurses had to carefully look at all the intervals between the, the doses. Uh, number of doses alone was not sufficient uh, to meet the school entry requirement, but uh, they had to also check to make sure that the minimal intervals were not breached. This year, uh, the Department of Health recommended that all children who enter kindergarten, for example, receive two doses of MMR. And actually, by the entry, they had to have received two doses of MMR vaccine, chickenpox vaccine. And those are all new recommendations. And they come out from the careful and thoughtful um, uh, investigations and uh, review of um, uh, research data as it comes out. So would you recommend that people not only speak to their provider, but also their pediatric provider, but also perhaps check things like the CDC website or there's another immunization website? Correct. So you could either check the CDC immunization website. You can also also go to New York State Department of Health uh, website. They have a, a tab on immunization, vaccination. The school entry requirement are also available at that website. Uh, school entry requirement are um, uh, specific for state, uh, so you would not find that information on CDC. Uh, but so also you might go to the New York State Department of health. health website to see exactly what cur- are the current recommendations required. That's correct. Or check even with your child's school nurse. She will know really well what's required. So how does somebody keep track of their child's vaccinations? What do you recommend? Um, Ideally, one would have a child's immunization record uh, that um, is updated each time a child receives a new vaccine. Uh, but I'll confess, I'm a mother of three, and I uh, myself don't have that. Um, I lose track. So what I typically do, I go back to my pediatrician and ask them for my child's immunization record, and I try to be better about keeping it um, up to date. Uh, new York State has an immunization registry that now allows parents um, uh, to have an uh, Um, uh, current immunization schedule available for each child. Parents do not have access to the registry, but providers uh, do. So that they they could 
basically share it with the parent Correct. if needed. So how about if a child, either through illness or through questioning on the part of the parent, misses a vaccine in the normal sequence of vaccines, mm -hmm. what do you recommend? Should they try to catch up? Mm -hmm. Should they let it lapse? What do they do? So, yes. So uh, if you miss a dose, um, you do not need to restart uh, vaccination from the beginning. You just catch up. So as soon as you're well and you can be vaccinated, call your provider and ask uh, for an appointment for um, vaccination. Um, labs immunization does not... Um, impair uh, the immunity. It does uh, not um, typically uh, result in a greater amount of side effects. So as soon as you're able to get vaccinated, call your provider. Have you noticed in the last, I don't know, five to last decade or so, has there been a lot of change in terms of the recommended schedule for young children? I mean, ha it, because the controversy seems to also kind of underscore the fact that many, many more vaccines have been added. Is that your perception? So vaccines have been added to the child's immunization schedule. We added rotavirus vaccines several years ago. Um, otherwise, um, I'm not aware of many other uh, new vaccines that were entered or added to uh, infant immunization schedule. The school immunizations requirements do change, and they change frequently. But ultimately, they're for the betterment not only of the individual child, but of the community. And we can't underscore enough how important it, it is. It is for everybody to get vaccinated. Well, very, very, very helpful information, important information. My guest has been Dr. Yana Shaw, Associate Professor of Pediatrics, specializing in infectious diseases at Upstate Medical University. I'm Linda Cohen. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air.